Hello, everyone, and welcome to Innovation Fuel, the podcast that brings you fantastic stories from entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. I am Dave Kiran. And I am Gelare Farhadian. We are educators, entrepreneurs, and your hosts. Innovation Fuel is our weekly business podcast brought to you by University Canovas. Each week, we explore diverse business models, entrepreneur journeys, experts' insight, and managerial challenges, and how companies stay agile and innovative during COVID-19. Check out our episodes at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovationfuel. Oh, good morning. How are you doing today, Glory? I'm good. Dave, I have a question. If you receive a phone call from the bank, do you scare or not? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good question. I never really thought about that way before. But uh, yeah, you get a phone call. You're like, ooh, what's going on? <laughs> I'm nervous about this call. <laughs> but sometimes they can actually call us for helping us. Yeah. And tell us, okay, how we can help you in this specific situation. But they need some, a lot of data to see that how we are dealing, each of us, and then in general, how we are dealing that. So they have to deal with the big data. Yeah, and, and I'm sure, like, we think about the number of transactions we do on our credit cards, our debit cards every day. Like, just imagine the information, the data that's coming through a bank uh, and, and you know, like, and how they might be able to help you understand a little bit more about how you could be more efficient with your the things that are in your life, how how efficient you could be. Maybe you're maybe you're spending where you shouldn't be spending and maybe they can find you better ways to spend and, and, and be able to hold off your the spending of your cash. I, I love to spend things, but... You know, but what are they using? They're using data and data is becoming the, the prime thing element. So this is the prime thing that we need to be starting to think about is the, all the data that's available to us out there is, is a great way for us to figure out how to make effective decisions. And even the, I mean, the data that the bank that generates in the bank uh, can predict our financial status and financial for future. It's quite really interesting to know about my financial status for future. And, and, and Glory, we want to know that. We want to know that how we can be more efficient, maybe paying down our mortgage. Maybe we have uh, more efficient in paying our bills. Maybe we're spending money where we shouldn't be spending and maybe we can save some. And I think this data is enabling banks and, and other places like that to help us be, uh, be help service us better. Absolutely. So let's welcome back Curtis Campbell, Vice President of Business Market, BC Region of RBC, and ask our questions about how they can help BC businesses. Welcome back, Curtis Campbell from RBC. Curtis, we couldn't get enough of our, our, our discussion. I think we've left some loose ends at the end here that we need to answer some more questions around. We're, we're so curious to know more about this element. Welcome back, Curtis. Thanks so much, Dave and Kalari. It's, uh, it's great to be here again. Thanks. So, uh, Curtis, you, you talk about a bit how a digital enablement. Uh, it means you became more digitized, you have more information and data sets, and then you can predict and help actually there's a small business owner or business owners, all of them, to predict their cash flow. I just have a little bit question, one more question about data. And so you gathering data from many different ways, to the ATM, to the postcards, post machines, your card online. And how about unstructured data? These data that you already have, they are very structured. 
But it seems that you have some piece of unstructured data, for example, the background of the entrepreneurs. They are helping you to predict future as well. Yeah, the unstructured data is, is a bit of a bit of a challenge, right? Because to collect data, to put it through algorithms that can give us a a, a predictable, reliable set of insights, um, that there does need to be some structure to it. So, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, the, the bank uses um, a lot of transaction data, um, and then you know we we subscribe to other data sets, you know, governments data sets like census data. And, and there is a lot of structure to that, right? So, you know, we, we can move that through our um, insight engines to try to provide some, some marketplace business um, and customer uh, insights to our clients that are, are pretty reliable, pretty predictable, and, and pretty valuable. Unstructured data, as you point out, you know, things like skills and job history of of our entrepreneurs what's their background you know yes there is some structured data in there that the bank can use um so for example any any business owner that comes in uh, to apply for credit you know we do a credit check you know credit bureaus are well established institutions that collect uh, and provide uh credit data so we use certainly use that in our credit adjudication process it's a different set of processes i would say when it comes to making decisions around providing credit, it's a different set of processes that we undertake to capture data from clients and use it only for that purpose. So I, I would be really clear here is when a customer comes to the bank, certainly to RBC, and I, I would say this is probably true for most financial institutions, when a customer comes to their financial institution looking for credit or looking for some product or some service, and they're asked to provide some information, you know, whether it's their personal information, birth date, SIN number, you know, whatever. We all have uh, quite a wide variety of personal information. That data is protected. You know, our, um, the, Canada has very strong privacy laws. And so we all have to very closely and correctly abide by all those laws. So that data is protected. And and, and what I can say for, for RBC is, let's say, if, if you have an entrepreneur that's providing their information to the bank for the provision of credit, then we can only collect and use that data for the reason why it's been given. And in fact, we have a, an agreement called the collection and use of data. And if you kind of read through it, it says that you as the customer are agreeing to provide your information to the bank for the purpose of, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about, you know, getting a getting an equipment loan or something like that. And the bank can't just then unilaterally say, well, thanks for all your information. We're just going to use that for everything. Um, un- unless you agree, right? You know, there are some opt-outs that a client says, look, um, yeah, you can use my data for, for any myriad of purpose. And I agree to that because sometimes that's useful. Um, but, but the data is owned, you know, or, or the, the, the decision in terms of how that data is used is, is within the, the, the customer's purview to be able to direct us on how to use that. And, and consent that's given at one point can be can be um, taken away later on should the should the customer use. And I think that's pretty common for most businesses that that they have collection and use uh, of data. And, and certainly, you know, any of the apps that, that are out there as well. Should you care to read read those lengthy um, legal statements, it, it, it's in there as well, right? So now I want to lean into 
banking and finance and banking, because we've talked to a lot of venture capitalists on the show. We've talked to a lot of angel investors and there's different types of funding that can come from different types of businesses. So as you're going through the world of trying to figure out how am I going to support my business and grow it, how does the banking finance differ from angel investors and venture capitalists? So I'll, I'll provide a definition from my perspective, respecting that other people may have different ways of talking to this this topic. So it's good that you've got got a variety of folks that, that talk to really what is the, the nature of capital, right? And so, you know, from, from a basic bifurcation, you know, capital can look like debt or equity. Um, and so, you know, with, with angel investors, with, with venture capitalists, you know, I won't speak on their behalf, but a lot of the times the capital that they provide probably looks something like equity. Um, so here's several hundred thousand or maybe several million or even more than that dollars that the, that the VC or the angel investor invests in the company as patient capital. Um, and, and sometimes the provision of that capital comes with certain rights and privileges, like a slice of shareholding, right? So you give me 10% of your company and I'll give you a million dollars and then, you know, see where it goes from there. So, um, and, and then sometimes, you know, equity can be temporary or convertible to debt at, at a trigger point or later, later point. And, that, that's fine. Like some businesses, again, based on their stage of development, needs that patient equity to sit there and allow the business owners time and latitude to develop out their business. So for banks, for, for commercial banks, um, you know, credit unions, you know, your traditional financial institutions, generally speaking, we don't provide equity. You know, I think RBC and, and some of the other major banks, we may have an equity department that does that on a targeted basis. But, you know, in terms of how banks are generally viewed in terms of our contribution to, to businesses, it's it's the provision of debt. It's the provision of what's called senior secured debt. So, you know, business comes in and they need financing and whether they need working capital, which could be something as simple as expense visa cards or operating like revolving lines, trade lines to help buy and buy inventory, you know, bridge receivables, that sort of thing. Like that's all bread and butter banking, you know, any, any financial institution will, will provide those. And then, and then term financing. So businesses have assets on the balance sheet uh, that need to be financed and whether it's, you know, real estate buildings, any myriad of equipment, whether it's rolling stock, uh, yellow iron or, or your, your heavy duty equipment, um, leasehold improvements, um, you know, any, any type of asset that would sit on a balance sheet pretty much can be financed. And there's just different ways of constructing the financing based on what's referred to loan to value. So if, let's say you want to buy a truck for $50,000. Sometimes maybe you'll get that loan for $50,000, but usually the loan to value is less than 100%, meaning that the owner needs to put some cash into that, into that transaction as well. It's the same thing when you buy a house, right? Like, very few banks are going to give you 100% of the purchase price of your home. You've got to put in some cash into that transaction as well. So financing of assets works uh, works the same way. And so when we take a look at at financing, say, fixed assets, you know, there's a couple of key financial ratios that are very instructive in trying to understand, okay, is this a good loan, a risky loan? What's the probability that the business is going to be able to handle this loan and, and that the business is going to be able to repay it. Like those are very important questions. And so there's, there's basically three key ratios that we'll look at that, that gives us a sense of indication. Um, and a lot of your, a lot of your students, a lot of your audience will be familiar with these. You know, what is the current ratio 
which is current assets divided by current liabilities. And so that's a measure of liquidity. You know, is the business liquid? Um, and then one is leverage. You know, you, again, you look at the balance sheet. Um, you know, it's basically your your total assets divided by your total liabilities. Like, is it is it leveraged too high or is it in in pretty good place? Um, and then the final one is just um, debt serviceability. You know, does the business actually pay uh, or generate enough cash to pay the loans? Because the worst thing that any lender wants to do is provide a loan that the business has no ability to to repay in in cash. And so, you know, that's that's a basic financial risk assessment that that any institution would go through to try to assess a client's request and determine, okay, is this a viable loan request for whatever the purpose that uh, that they're talking about? So, so Curtis, within with this in this mix, you know, this is a lot of things that a business needs to think about. How does RBC support these businesses through this these decisions? Like, what what are you doing with these clients to help, or what do you what are your agents doing out there to help them support them through making the most effective decisions? Yeah, I, I think the, the first place to to start in answering that question is to realize that that from our perspective, we're relationship managers. We're not we're not transaction managers, right? Like we don't sit here and wait for the businesses to come in and say, "Okay, I need a loan," and we're like, "Great, you know, let's put that together and here's your loan and have a nice day." Like that's that that's the nature of just a transactional relationship, which is not what we're all about. It's more about relationship. And so, you know, from from my perspective, you know, my my business account managers that are spread, you know, throughout the province, you know, they've got a book of clients, they've got a portfolio of of, of, of small business clients that they actively relationship manage. And so at best, we have ongoing dialogue and ongoing communication with our clients so that we know what's going on. So, you know, if we're calling our clients many times throughout the year, many times through the business cycle, we should have some foresight in knowing what the client's got going on. And so, you know, typically we'd call a client for whatever reason and, you know, ask a question like, so, so what's going on with your business? What's your strategy? You know, what do you forecast for the next year? And there's, there's the space for the business owner to say, well, actually, you know, I'm, you know, I'm currently renting as we hopefully would know that already, um, but I'm contemplating buying my own place. Right. And Hey, can RBC help me arrange financing to buy my own, uh, my own building or my own, my own space, or, Hey, you know, I've got a fleet of eight trucks and in my, you know, asset replacement circulation, I need to cycle three out and get three new ones. So in the next year, I'm going to be looking at uh, doing some, some asset replacement, you know, uh, so I'll be coming into the bank looking for X amount of dollars to replace three trucks. And so that level of communication, that, that to build that relationship uh, allows us to not be caught off guard, to be able to put solutions in place well in advance of when the money is required, um, and then to provide some advice. So because sometimes clients are like, well, I need some financing. It's like, okay, well, money comes in a lot of different forms and has different price tags and different terms and conditions. So let's just figure out what's going to work best for you and, and just design a financial solution that meets the needs of the client and, uh, and you know, is acceptable to the bank as well. And do you look at the return of investments of those services that you give to the entrepreneurs or business owners? Um, not, not strictly speaking, not in terms of return on investment, you know, that's as the business owner, that's, that's their purview. Like that's what they're most interested in. Um, you know, some things that we certainly look at is profitability, um, sales growth, like is a business fundamentally growing their sales or, or are sales declining? And, and there's a question there, right? You know, if sales are growing or declining, help, help us understand what's going on, right? Good or bad. Uh, and profitability is, is important as well. Whether a, a business is growing or declining sales, 
that doesn't necessarily translate to profitability. So if a business is profitable or not, that's a question as well that, that, you know, there could be some good and rich dialogue around, you know, and, and so then, you know, we also take a look at uh, margins. So your gross margins, operating margins, that sort of thing to try to diagnose and understand, you know, what, what are the, what are the decisions that that business owner is making about their business that is contributing to the overall health and sustainability of the business. And sometimes we can diagnose things like, wow, it looks like year over year, you're paying a lot more in terms of repairs and maintenance on your vehicles. Have you thought about replacing some vehicles because it could be cheaper to borrow money to buy new trucks than continue to replace your old ones? Or, wow, it looks like your your rent um, and taxes on your building is to the point where you know, a mortgage payment would be equal or, or less than that, or at least relative to that. So, you know, just from a cash flow basis, you could be net neutral and buy your own building and, you know, build it, building equity in, in your own piece of real estate and, and kind of control your premises. So, um, you know, there's a lot of insights that we can gain just doing a little bit of a financial analysis on, on some of the, uh, some of the, uh, you know, financial characteristics that are in their, their financial statements. Curtis, um, I when you're talking about the the all the services and the way you're talking about the, your I mean the services of RBC and your job, it seems that it's it's required a lot of complex skill set. So, what do you see about this the working in a bank jobs and maybe future? I'm talking about short future, long, not very, very long future. But it's about the future of the jobs working the bank and how we can start working the bank if that's required a lot of more skills. Yeah, I, I get that a lot, actually. Um, you know, and, and, and that, that question gets asked a whole bunch of different ways from, you know, uh, are, are, are the banks laying off like lots of people? Like, you know, no, they're not. Uh, you know, and, and what is the nature of work? Uh, in, in a bank. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you say to most folks, picture or, or describe what is your typical bank job? And, and there's two answers to that question, you know, bank teller or investment banker, you know, doing, you know, multi-billion dollar deals in some, you know, New York or Torontonian, you know, office star. Um, and those are both true, but, but you miss most of it, right? Like there's so much more in there. And so, you know, what I what I you know commonly describe is, you know, I've spent 20 years of my 25 year career in commercial banking, you know, bread and butter business banking, um, dealing with all range and size of, of, of common businesses. Um, and and so it's, you know, I guess it's it's on the sales side of the bank, it's on the customer side of the bank, um, and I wouldn't even get into the whole technology and operations side of the bank. You know, we've got like tens of thousands of employees that, that work in technology and operations across the world, like not just even in Canada, but across the planet. Um, I think we've got like hundreds of clients working in, I think it's Malaysia or something like that. So, you know, there, there's businesses or there's, there's, there's jobs in every type of discipline that you could imagine. I think we even have a doctor on staff, like a medical doctor. So um, it's it just, you know, whatever your discipline is, you know, banks are more than just bank tellers, investment bankers. There's there's tons of jobs out there. And so for my department, for my discipline, you know, being business banking, first of all, I would say we're growing. Like we have a growth growth mindset, a growth mandate. We want to grow. Um, and just from an employ, employment standpoint, we're, we're constantly hiring. Like all this, all this year, I've had at least one market and in some cases multiple markets that have been 
have active requisitions out in the marketplace looking for more business bankers. Okay, that was more eloquent the way I said it. <laughs> okay, um, but anyway, um, so we're always hiring. That, that the point to be made. Okay, so some of the skills that we certainly look for. The first one that I always put out there is curiosity. Right. Fundamentally, as a business banker, you're dealing with customers, and and so you have to have this natural curiosity to want to know about your customers. You know what they're up to, what they're working with, what are their successes. What are their struggles? Um, and, and, and to just ask, ask those questions and listen to the answers so that you have a, have a chance of being able to, to leverage all of the resources and, and support of the bank in a way that is uniquely valuable to that customer, right? Um, so, so curiosity is just a skill set that's, that's very, very important. And there's a lot of technological, uh, like technical skills and, um, and, and mechanical skills that are important. You know, I won't get into financial analysis and, um, you know, problem solving. And yes, you've got to be a good team player and good communicator and that sort of thing. <clears throat> That's all pretty standard across, you know, a whole bunch of different uh, companies and, and industries out there. But for us, yeah, you know, having a, a customer first orientation so that you're uh, interested in, in understanding um, um, customers and, and getting out there uh, and, uh, and interacting with them. You know, and when I say getting out there, our, our jobs are very much a out of the office type of existence. You know, the days of sitting behind a desk five days a week and managing a book of clients, like that's gone. Like that's the worst place to manage a book of customers probably in any company is from behind a desk. So the pandemic certainly has put some restrictions on our ability to get out and around. So most of our meeting these days are virtual, just like a lot of other companies. But, you know, once we get post pandemic, yeah, the, the, the mandate is as best as possible, you know, get out and go to your clients for wherever they are. They're busy. They're running their business and we've got to get out to, to see them in order to find a way to understand how to provide as best support as possible. Yeah. And I, you know, Curtis, I even hear like stories of uh, RBC is that already investing in blockchain and looking at different types of technologies and bringing innovation into and bringing people in to create that innovation. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, something to be said about digital enablement, which is really engaging with our customers in a, digitally valuable way. And I would say for my bankers, and this is a point of constant coaching between myself and my managers and, and, and my bankers, is understanding how to use digital assets, you know, digital reporting, digital insights. So being able to converse, you know, hold a conversation, um, you know, which is, which is, you know, there's, there's some good psychological elements to that, which, which is kind of base table stakes, skills and abilities, but, but having digital abilities, um, because, you know, the, the bank does have a lot of uh, data platforms, a lot of analytics, a lot of reporting, and, 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 that can, and there's a lot of value in there. That, and that's the point, is, is data unto itself is useless until you can utilize that in a valuable way that's, that's unique to, to that business customer. And so there does need to be some appreciation and some time, quite frankly, spent at researching how do I take all this information that's being provided to me from the customer, from the bank, and synthesize it in a way that I can have a valuable conversation with, with the customer. And so, you know, um, uh, this is where, you know, a lot of youthful folks come into the bank. They've got, you know, great, pretty strong orientation towards data and reporting and, and uh, digital enablement, which is great. And, and so sometimes it's, it's easy to develop those skills, just to calibrate them a little bit so that they, they have a customer first orientation in how they use, uh, use all that data. 
So, so Curtis, that leads us to the end of our sort of our show. But before we end off our, our show this today, we, we always ask again as a, as a challenge, do you have a challenge to throw out to our audience today? Um, yeah, I would say, you know, I, I could, I could set a challenge one or two ways. Uh, so I'll, I'll, let's go on the way in which we ended up, which is talking about skills and abilities and, and, uh, and experiences. And, you know, whether your audience is entrepreneurial and like, I want to own my own business, operate my own business, or whether they, they are comfortable in working for another organization, whether it's RBC or other banks or, or, or other organizations out there, take an inventory of your skills, you know, um, know what your strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, where you have strengths, lean into those strengths and where you have weaknesses, um, put a plan in place, like have a developmental plan that allows you to address those weaknesses. And, and further is if a person aspires to work for a bank or work for a telecom or work for, you know, public sector or any, any type of organization, reach out to those organizations and ask, you know, I want to work for a bank or a telecom or a public sector or whatever, reach out and ask those questions. Like we're, you know, most organizations are pretty happy to have, you know, virtual coffees and, and the sort and, and ask the questions and, and we'll give you answers. We'll tell you what we're looking for. And, and an individual can inventory for themselves. Okay. Well, I've got all these things. Geez, I don't have that. I kind of didn't even think about that. So now I got to put a plan in place to develop some strength in that area too. Thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Field. To all entrepreneurs and managers out there, we have ambitious students here at UCW who would love to hear from you and help you with your business through our internship or capstone program. If you think you have a wonderful story or a challenge that you want to share with our students and our audience that you think they can benefit from, we want to hear from you. We want that information. We want you to be a part of this show. We also want you to join our mentorship program. We've got a great mentorship program to help students as they move on their educational journey towards getting into a career or launching a new opportunity. So reach out to us, connect with us at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. You have just listened to the Innovation Fuel podcast with your hosts, Dave and Gellere. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Join us next week for another innovative story. Thank you for listening and have a great week.